Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Guys, I need a catchphrase. Yeah, you do, man. <laughs> Ow, that hurts. <laughs> there you go. I like that. <laughs> catchphrase? Like a STD catchphrase? <laughs> yes, ooh, that's that, catchy. Ooh, ooh, that burns. It burns. Honestly, <laughs> 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 uh, mm. God, my son was telling me uh, that last week he was doing these drone experiments out in the baseball diamond over at university. He managed to kneel down on top of a fire ant nest without realizing it for several minutes until he realized that there's... His all junk these, was on fire? Yeah. And all these ants crawling <laughs> over his equipment. And it's like, why is my leg burning so much? And he's got like multiple ant bites on his leg now. So... Uh, I, I guess it doesn't speak well for my genetic line in terms of reaction time, but um, I suppose it's kind of amusing. Just spin it the other way. Just say you have high pain tolerance. Yes. Yeah, how tough it. you guys are. That's right. Think <laughs> about our it. Viking ancestry, yes. Yeah, I would, there you go. I would say that, uh, John, your reaction time is is really... I mean, we can get a calendar and measure it for you if you want. Uh, uh, yeah, you're uh, you're not lo- known for your lightning reflexes. I, I would say that that could be true. Yeah. <laughs> Rapier wit, but Rapier uh, wit, but uh, yeah. yeah, slow response time. <laughs> yeah, don't be using a rapier. Yeah, just yeah. Very true. Yes. <laughs> I, I would consider you more the uh, the broadsword kind of guy, right? Okay, and the mm-hmm. rapier kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've I've been wanting to build a battle Maybe axe. Maybe battle axe. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you haven't been home to use your forge. Well, actually, I have. Um, I was uh, making uh, some Damascus uh, just a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, cut my thumb on it yesterday. In fact, as I was polishing your, your lightning reflexes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know. But, you know it's i think it, i think it's almost a requirement that you cut yourself on a on a new blade uh-huh. it's kind of like christening it or something you know proving the first steel. blood yeah yeah, yeah you got to right. give it that first feeding and uh <laughs> proper yeah. sword steel yeah don't they usually use like goats or something for that yeah i plunge I, it into a uh, some sort of poor farm animal yeah I'm I'm kind of limited to squirrels at our squirrels. place. 
<laughs> so you're 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 sticking to smaller blades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. right. Or the odd Chihuahua on a spit. Yeah. Yes. Although you know, uh, fun you should mention. He's I, uh, an urban forager. I'm just yeah. saying. But I, I did have an opportunity uh, for a bear uh, about a month ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was headed headed to the airport early one morning and. Uh, Notice this came around the corner, and here's this large this black dog oh. running in front of the truck. Oh, okay. And uh, I thought to myself, different kind you... of bear. I was thinking as a you know ah, oh. proximity to San Francisco or whatever. I was just thinking of, you're talking something <laughs> completely different. Yes, yes uh-huh. very large, fat, wide black dog, which turned out to be in fact a bear, <laughs> bear yeah. running in front of me. And uh, but it, it managed to get off the road before I got too close. <laughs> if it been Chris White. It would have been all over for that bear. But, uh, <laughs> Chris White has been known to murder an animal or two with his RV. <laughs> that's right. You were in the RV at that yes, time, too. That's right. You weren't sitting in the passenger seat when that thing was like, ah! Yeah. yeah. You saw its final moments. The panic expression in its I, eyes. I think I saw its final moments and my final moments. <laughs> We exchanged in our eyes at the t- at the time uh, that uh, it went under the went under the bus. Yes, yes, <laughs> that was funny. Oh, uh, he's like, "What should I do?" I'm like, "Just keep rolling, man." Yeah, they, keep going. There's there's nothing to recover on that thing. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, rapier wit and uh, bears, um, <laughs> our good friend John Blickman thrown under the bus. Yes, <laughs> gets thrown under the bus pretty much every show with regularity. Right. Um, but you know he's got a great sense of humor, and so he he. Uh, That's what he's told. He yes. put he put. Yeah, we keep repeating that so he doesn't uh, get pissed off and uh, cut the funding for the show. Right. But uh, if if you uh, have a chance, I would highly recommend you go and check out what his uh, high level of intelligence has 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 uh, created across the uh, the uh, wide span of the equipment they produce, the uh, fine uh, detail of the workmanship, the uh, yes, the innovation of of what they come up with. I mean, truly. The if if you can name one person that has innovated more in brewing equipment and home brewing uh, in the world, the number one at the top of the list is John Blickman. That's that is very there true. There's nobody else even close. Yeah. I mean, there's some people that come out with some pretty cool stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, but Blickman's head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, consistently. Yeah, and you could see this stuff at BlickmanEngineering.com. They're always coming out with new stuff, so it. it it behooves you to check back uh, frequently. And uh, if you get a chance, I would love it if you would send an email to uh, John Blickman. You can use feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and tell him, hey, thank you for for uh, uh, su- supporting the show. Thank you for paying for the show so I don't have to. I really enjoy the show or you hate the show. And why are we talking about uh, uh, things of a sexual nature? Because uh, you know, that does come we, up, yeah. right? Because we're pretty much uh, infantile in our uh, maturity. <laughs> we <laughs> we try yeah. try to keep brewing fun. Yeah, Pivo. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's that's me and Paul. Do you know they're right coming now. out with a Deadpool Christmas movie? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. You should check out the trailer on YouTube. It's hilarious. 
<laughs> he kidnaps Fred Savage, you know, Princess Bride. Yes, yes. <laughs> on the bed and everything. It's, it's, it's very funny. Are they really coming out with the yes, bed, or is it they just really a fake, fake trailer? They, they really 12th. are, yeah. yeah. Once Upon a Deadpool. There you go. All right. Now I, I, got, I know what I'm going to be doing on Christmas. All right. Uh, anyway. Anyways, I would uh, say hi to our good friend, uh, John Blickman. Uh, make make his Christmas by uh, telling him uh, tell him how much you appreciate it. Hey, and if you're buying a Christmas present, make it a Blickman Engineering product. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know. Uh, that's what I'm doing. Tell your significant other that's what I want for Christmas. One of these one of these expensive, cool things, mm-hmm. or not so expensive, cool things. Last a lifetime. That's true. You get you get yourself a nice brew brew plant. That thing's lasting pretty much forever. That's you could sure. brew many thousands of batches of beer on it mm-hmm. and then sell it for yep. probably more than you paid for it at that time if you take good care of it. Because it won't really wear out and the price of all these things are going to go up over time. Mm-hmm. Especially with price of stainless going up. All right. Um, today, we are covering uh, fermentation temperature questions, which y'all seem to have a lot of. Uh Temperature questions, and a lot of them about uh, kind of uh, maintaining temperature and uh, how to control temperature and, uh, you know, why and, and what what, what uh, ramps to use and things like right. that. Now, at the end of the show, Steve, you're going to be able to try to guess what the theme of today's Q&A has been. <laughs> oh, how fun. What the, what the next question will be. So it's a game show. Yeah. <laughs> what the topic is going to be in the next question. It's great. <laughs> Do you love coming here and being abused by us? So much. Well, that's a Texas crack wrangler. He loves the abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. So do we we have, in fact, a question keyed up? We do. Ah. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and hit the first one. All right. Room or beer temperatures? Dear Bruce Strong, I have a question on fermentation temperature. When talking about fermentation temperatures, I'm also to assume we are talking about the temperature of the room that the beer is fermenting in, or the actual temperature of the beer in the fermentation carboy. I've been just going off of room temp for a while now, but notice that my primary fermenters produce a lot of heat in the first few days, sometimes taking the temps above the optimal range for the yeast. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're never talking about room temperature. I mean, we talk about room temperature in the, well... You know, it may affect your your cooling or whatever, but you you really can't ferment. the The biggest change you're ever going to make to your beer is having fermentation temperature control because uh, ambient temperature is kind of wrong for fermentation unless you're making something sour or you know or something funky. It's just that the the yeast they start off really active they produce a lot of heat and things are they're charging along and they're producing a lot of these compounds that that you don't want in the beer and then you know they start to taper off and they're cooling down and the whole mass cools down and then they don't quite finish out um it's better if they're cooler at the beginning and warmer at the end uh, but right. re- regardless you want to measure the temperature of the beer and that's simply done um you know, a, a stick-on uh, uh, fermenter strip like you were using on your carboy, perfect. That actually tells you the temperature of the beer inside. It, it really does work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but 
you don't need anything fancier than that. But um, uh, you need the temperature of the beer. Yeah. There's one caveat to that, and that if you have a a cheap single-stage controller or um, a controller high differential, if you're, if you're measuring the temperature of the beer and running the refrigerator, let's say, off of that, the... Um, the refrigerator could overcool by a considerable amount as that beer temperature slowly goes to the set point. If you know if it's cooling at the beginning of fermentation, um, and then you know because the amp, the the refrigerator the container temperature is colder uh, than the controller, um, it's going to cool down past your intended uh, fermentation temperature point. Um, if you get a two-stage controller, one that had both heats and cools, uh, now you can now you can avoid that by as soon as your beer hits its uh, temperature point um, and starts to go below it, then the the cooling will shut off and the heater can come on and raise that uh, ambient temperature back up to closer to the set point. It's kind of like catching it yeah. as it drops. Away. It depends on you know with with. Oh, I've I've had goes. that issue with, with refrigerators. If you've got a glycol system oh, I, on your fermenter and so on, then you have better control. You have you have more of a problem with glycol than you do with a refrigerator, and and the reason being, the refrigerator goes down. You know, it it doesn't go that cold. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of the reasons I, I suggest people use refrigerators versus freezers. It's also for moisture. Um, but the refrigerator box heats up really quick. Okay. Um, that's why your refrigerator is constantly going on and off, and it gets down into the 30s. It's not the, – the air in there does not have a lot of um, – Thermal heat mass. Care, thermal mass, exactly. It's it's minimal. And then the insulation on those things is minimal, especially okay. if you use an older fridge. Right. The seals aren't that great. It tends to not really carry that much, um, whereas glycol has a lot of thermal mass. Uh-huh. When you surround a, a container in that, that can be a real problem. And you can ice it up. Right, right. And it, it'll it'll continue carrying a lot. So. Oh. Okay. You know, if you if you, especially on these bigger fermenters, and we've got like four jackets on our fermenters, and each holds you know ten gallons. You get forty gallons of twenty eight degree glycol. Uh-huh. There, you get a lot of drift uh, if you're not careful. If you got a you know if the differential isn't right, mm-hmm. um, it can it can be an issue. But I, I see what you're saying, and it, it could be an issue. But I think. Just having temperature control is far more important than yeah. you know not having it. I agree. I totally agree yeah. with that. Yes, yeah. I think we're all saying the same thing. Yeah. All right, uh, let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. The Twenty First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can, featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. 
Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Saka JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support. Like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do, all for under 300 bucks. They also feature the Mark II Work Pump, a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much, as well as exclusive Brewer's Edge regulators and quality Keg King kegs and disconnects. Check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit fivestarchemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the five-star treatment today. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. 
All right, we're back. Uh, check out uh, the uh, AHA. They have uh, a deal going on right now. If you go to thebrewingnetwork.com, you use the offer code BN2018. Uh, when you sign up for a new membership, or I believe when you renew your membership yep. uh, through the, the Brewing Network, you're going to get a free copy of either uh, Wild Brews or Farmhouse Ales. And I believe BCS, uh, Brewing Classic Styles, is also part of that Available, option. Right. Use the offer code BN2018 and support the AHA and the Brewing Network at the same time. All right. Next question, uh, pornographic, Stephen. All right, this one's from Herbert. Is it about uh, fermentation temperatures? Yeah. How'd I guess? Actually, <laughs> fermentation temperature ramps. <gasps> okay. Ramps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Herbert, bringing us strong. Hey, guys. Grateful for the show. My question is about fermentation temperature control. I'll ferment on the lower end of the temperature range depending on the lab's recommendations. Mm-hmm. I'll always start at the low end for two to four days, and start ramping temps up two degrees every two to three days. What are the benefits of this? Would a beer benefit from all the characteristics the strain of yeast has to offer at all temps? Or is the final temperature I ferment out at what I get in final beer? Is this necessary, or would a one temperature in the lab's recommended range suffice with a final ramp to ferment out? I got a few things to say about this. So, yeah. the, the the recommended temperatures. I hear this all the time. You know, talking about something or, or one of the recipes in brewing classic styles. Something people are like, you know, the labs. The uh, re- you know uh, recommended temperature is blah blah blah. I'm like, well, um, doesn't really matter what the recommended temperature is. Yeast will work. Most yeast will work down. Uh, you know, even ale yeast will work down into the you know Low. the fifties. Yeah, upper fifties. You know, yeah, yeah uh, twelve to, to you know, and up to uh, you know into the nineties before they they conk out. Nineties mm-hmm. uh, Fahrenheit. Um, so really, it'll work in any range. And what you're looking for is the ideal character that you want to achieve. And it doesn't right. matter what the lab is saying. The lab is saying, well, you know, this is what we tested it at, and it seems to produce these flavors. Um, that's great. Thank you. But not as useful as you'd think. It's more important to try it yourself and to, to see where it's going to work in, in your situation and how you're doing it. So... I wouldn't always go to the low end of the, the the recommended, and you know go up from there. Sometimes that may work, sometimes not. Um, what are you achieving by that? You're not going to get the full expression of the yeast across all those temperatures. I think that's what they're asking: is like, am I getting everything right. that I'll do? I think the, the the character of the beer, would you agree, John, is pretty much uh, determined by the earlier part of right. the uh, fermentation versus uh, the end. The end is about kind of cleaning up any... Uh, the byproducts, yeah. Byproducts and... Um, Acetaldehyde, diacetyl, your VDKs, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, generally, uh, I do like to start a degree or two cooler than, you know, what... Uh, the median. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I, I tend to uh, kind of hold around there and then raise up towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
the the beginning of the fermentation is when lots of yeast growth is happening, and yeast growth is where um, most of the byproducts, most of the fermentation character, is being built. Your esters are are building then, um, and the faster I you know I. The faster the yeast grows, the more byproducts they're going to kick out. And if you think about it, like a guy sitting in a cubicle, you know, he's got, you know, work coming in. He's doing work and he's putting out his product or in the case of the yeast cell, they're taking in nutrients. They're, you know, metabolizing those nutrients. And then as they produce the ethanol and carbon dioxide, which are like the very the very end products of that metabolism, the lowest you know, possible state, um, it, the yeast has to go through a couple of steps uh, to produce um, ethanol and carbon dioxide. Acetaldehyde is an intermediate step in the production of, alpha, of ethanol. So if the yeast cell is growing really fast, you know, taking in nutrients very fast at the beginning of fermentation, they're not going to they're not going to hang on to that acetaldehyde to break it down at ethanol. They're just going to kick it right out of the cell, and so you end up with a high amount of acetaldehyde in the final beer. If you don't give the the enough yeast with enough temperature and activity to clean that up, then you're going to have acetaldehyde in the final beer. Um, so yeah, it's there's balancing your pitching rate uh, to balancing the yeast character and the temperature to control the amount of yeast character that you're generating in the beginning versus the um, the number of uh, healthy active yeast at the end of fermentation to clean up uh, and and maturate that beer. I uh, would agree with that kind of. Mm-hmm. Big picture mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when it comes back to temperature control, I mean, in general, we recommend starting cool, finishing warm, because of that overall big picture. Um, the actual temperatures you use uh, for a yeast strain are, you know, depend on manufacturer's recommendations, but also really your experience your pitching rate, and the amount of yeast character that you want out of that beer. All right. Uh, next question. All right. This one's from Christopher. Hi, Jimmy and John. I've been brewing for about five years and recently invested in a fermenter with built-in temperature control. It's the SS BrewTech Brew Bucket with heating and cooling. Mm-hmm. I have read in Jamil's yeast book that the yeast do not like temperature changes of more than one degree Fahrenheit in a 24-hour period. For optimal fermentation, should I have my degree of accuracy on the fermenter set to plus or minus 0.5 Fahrenheit? How about when pitching a yeast slurry into cooled wort? Does the cooled wort and yeast slurry need to be within one degree Fahrenheit of each other? If the wort is at 65 degrees and the slurry is at 7 degrees, will the yeast end up expressing heat shock proteins? So I'm not sure where the one degree in 24 hours comes from. Um, that was more like one degree an hour. Right. Um, well, um, so the heat shock protein thing is either when you when you force the, the yeast, you drop them into something warmer or colder, generally by... T- 
10 degrees is kind of it, it's you depend on the strain and other conditions right but um you know if it's less than that it tends not to be a problem i would try and get it close to what it is but if it's three degrees five degrees yeah you're, you're you're probably fine um as far as 24 hours um generally so like when we're doing loggers um uh you know you don't want to change the temperature more than 3c in 24 hours um uh you know like six degrees fahrenheit a day so when we do loggers at heretic we'll we'll drop the temperature as we're cooling it three degrees fahrenheit in the morning three degrees fahrenheit at the end of the day on the controller okay and then we're slowly ramping it down the reason you don't want to do that too quickly is because if you if you if you cool the yeast at the right rate um you know crashing can make them essentially uh, gather more glycogen reserves quickly i think and store more glycogen it's one of the things that uh, helps with uh, prepping yeast for packaging when right. like a, a yeast manufacturer is producing a product for you. Um, and it's one of the things that they do, or I believe almost all of them do, um, to uh, prepare yeast that has a lot of glycogen reserves. Um, but when you quickly crash yeast, um, it's at the expense of certain uh, compounds, which are the uh, precursors of esters. And so um, when you are trying to cool down a lager fermentation to lagering temp, you slowly bring that temperature down. You, you don't want to crash it quick. You want to bring it down slowly uh, so that those compounds are utilized another way. I don't know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a paper from, uh, I can't remember who, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's got citation in the book. Uh, about expressing, you know, like 50% more of these compounds that later mm-hmm. on become flavor active in the beer, um, and by if you quickly crash the the temperature. Yeah, I've I've noticed that a lot of um, craft brew lagers um, don't have very good head retention, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder if it's because of this perception that you know. At the end of lagering or the end of fermentation, they're crash cooling, chilling too fast, and maybe mm-hmm. getting extruding more lipids mm-hmm. from the yeast cell. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, for uh, you know, for a nice pilsner, um, you would expect very good head retention. But mm-hmm. uh, I've seen it in a couple of major brands where uh, you know head doesn't last more than thirty seconds. I think there's a few things going on there. And one is, um, I think we've become kind of spoiled with these high hop beers, which tend to have Great really head good retention, head retention. Yeah. And a lot of the lagers won't have that much in, in the way of hops. The other is, you know, if you look at some of these, uh, you know, German Pilsners, they tend to be um, uh, higher carbonated. Um, okay. A lot of times, and so you know, we're served. Uh, you know, you'll see some that are served uh, at higher carbonation and much more aggressively, mm-hmm. where you're filling, you know, uh, quite a bit of the the glass with foam and okay. you know, to, yeah. to develop that head. Whereas craft beer, you know, a lot of times the the serving is not up to really the pilsner standards. Standard. Okay. <laughs> right. 
Uh-huh. Um, so I don't because because a lot of times the beers they're used to serving are these uh, highly hopped IPAs that tend mm-hmm. to have real good head retention because all the hop compounds in there, yeah. and the uh, you know the, the high malt levels and the whereas the pilsners tend to be lower malt levels, less hops. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, less less residuals. Yeah, uh, good point though. Um, so yeah, and on the on the what sort of differential? Uh, like John was saying earlier, you don't want these wide swings, and the you know if you have a high differential, you may end up with the the fridge cooling down too much, right. and then uh, you know the beer's not reacting that quick, and then you'll overshoot. So a, a finer differential certainly does help. You don't want your fridge switching on and off uh, constantly. It's going to burn out. But um, yeah, at the same uh, time, you yeah. don't want to overshoot 10 right. degrees. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a short break. When we come back, we will have more of your questions right after this. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Brewing great beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications, with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture 
Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing, Recipes, Tales, and World-Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at brewerspublications.com. Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. I want to tell you about uh, White Labs and their pure liquid yeast. It means better beers. White Labs boasts the highest concentration of yeast in the industry thanks to their patented flex cell technology and pure pitch packaging. The yeast contained delivered using these innovations are uh, propagated in all grain wort, providing the perfect nutrients for growth and optimal performance. With White Labs Pure Liquid Yeast, your finished beers will meet the high-quality flavor profiles that you intend to produce. Discover the White Labs difference. Visit whitelabs.com slash yeast bank to find the perfect strain for your next beer today. All right, uh, let's see here. Next question. Give us something about fermentation this time. Yeah, our, yeah fermentation temperature. That'd yeah, be, yeah. That'd be right up my boat. Perfect. This I one's am. about fermentation temperature controllers. Ah, so it's close. All right, it's all right, close. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good job pulling that one out. Yeah. yeah. All right, this one's from up. Antonio. John and Jamil, first I want to say enjoy the show and appreciate the knowledge bombs. I am looking to invest in fermentation temperature control, and I know you guys have done a show on the topic before. I am a small batch brewer, and I am considering a wine cooler with built-in digital thermostat. Will this do the job, or should I purchase a full-size fridge with a Johnson or Renko controller? Thanks for the time. Well, I think everybody wants a full-size Johnson. <laughs> Bebo, do you agree? She, she, she agrees. Nodding, yeah. Yes, yeah. Very good. Um... The 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 wine. I mean, I, that's the wine cooler. That's kind of like a dorm fridge size thingy. Right, right. Um, They're like mini fridge yeah, size. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's okay for keeping uh, you know your wine at a temperature, or you know they they turn them into these cascaderators too, where you yeah. you want cellar temp. Yeah, absolutely. But the problem with them is uh, you still. I mean, you could use that, but you need the uh, controller. the The reason for the for your Johnson mm-hmm. or your Ranco is. Uh, 
look on Pio's face. Uh, talking about Johnsons, he gets her interested. the The reason for your Johnson is to uh, uh, control the temperature based on the beer temperature. The Johnson allows you to to attach your your probe to the uh, to the fermenter or put it in the fermenter and. Uh, <laughs> Once you've, once you've got your Johnson in the fermenter, uh, you uh, you're able to measure the the actual temperature of the beer and control uh, cooling based on the temperature of the beer. Right. The, the problem with relying on one of those wine fridges and the digital controller on that is that you're just changing the ambient temperature around the beer, and it's measuring the ambient, which is not going to uh, respond to the needs of the beer and the yeast because. The, the the holding a consistent ambient temperature uh, means that when the yeast are slowing down, you're actually applying more cooling than is needed. Mm-hmm. So that's why you need a, a good Johnson. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, can't beat a good I, Johnson. I think you probably would you want can. to go, even though he says he's doing small batches, small batch brewing, maybe one, two gallon. Um, I feel like that that wine fridge for the money is going to be. Um, just not up to the task. I'm, I would kind of well, and more expensive than you need. You could buy yeah. yourself a little dorm fridge if you yeah. need compact. Yeah, and a and a good Johnson. Yeah, yeah, good Johnsons running only. You know, 50 even bucks. even depending on how handy you are with electrical stuff too. Um, you build your own Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. You get on eBay. My roommate took a little Raspberry Pi, mm-hmm. and essentially that ended up being a. You know, temperature controller and hooked it up to his little dorm fridge. Right. And that works really well. And they have these little controllers on eBay out of China for 12 bucks or 20 bucks, what they are. Yeah. Pretty cheap. Get yourself a good Johnson for cheap. You crying there a little bit, Beva? Yeah. (laughs) A little bit. When you were talking about the pro, like, I I lost it. I lost all (laughs) self control. She lost all self-control. There you have it. Talk about about good Johnsons. Can't be the Johnson. Small probes. All right. Um, This this is why we get all the best sponsors. That's right. (laughs) Quality. Quality, Quality. not quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same thing you want in a Johnson. Right. Two stage, Uh, preferably. Two stage is better, yeah. yeah. Two's better than one. Uh, okay, next question. This one's named Temperature Control Ripples. Ripples. See, there's ripples. another thing you wanted, right. Johnson. Yes. Right. You know, some good ripple. <laughs> Gentlemen. John and Jamil. John and Jamil. Gentlemen. They're yeah. just gentlemen. Yeah. This person obviously hasn't listened. Mm hmm. <laughs> For fermentation temperature control at my kegerator, I use hysteretic on and off temperature control modules. These allow me to set the hysteresis, hysteresis. hysteresis yes. set point, compressor delay, etc. During fermentation, how much temperature ripple would you consider to be too much? During storage in kegs, would a few degrees of ripple matter at all? My controller, an STC-1000, allows me to get about... 0.75 degrees Fahrenheit of ripple during fermentation if I only use it for heating. Use a heating pad and set the fridge to a lower temperature. 
The sensor is taped to the side of the carboy with some insulation covering it to keep out the ambient temperature, so I consider this to be close to the actual ripple that is seen by the fermenting liquid. So I think there's two questions there. One is like when you're storing finished right. beer, you know, can you do a few few degrees swing? Yeah. I think generally when I'm storing finished beer, like a refrigerator. Yeah, generally it's No cold. controller. Right. Yeah, it, it keeps it. Um, there's no... Uh, the, the reason you need temperature control of fermentation is that the yeast are producing heat at different rates at different times of the of the process. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to control. Once it's done and it's finished, there's no heat being produced, so a regular fridge will keep the very constant temperature on that beer. It may swing by maybe a half a quarter of degree if mm-hmm. anything because it's a large mass of liquid right and as long as the ambient is regularly refreshed to whatever below 40 you're doing in a food fridge it's good you don't have to do anything you don't even need a controller on that when you're trying to control fermentation temperature the tighter the control you can have the better the but, more consistent the yeast activity because yeah. temperature controls activity right uh, but you know, you can wear out your compressor by cycling it on and off. Uh, but, you know, if you've got an anti-short cycle delay, still, the more on and off cycles you do on a, on the on the refrigeration equipment, the shorter amount of time it's going to last. Um, so you're kind of trying to balance that. Generally, a one-degree swing is considered Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't want it to be like three degrees. Right. Um, that can still be okay, but you're kind of pushing your luck. Yeah. Two degrees is kind of common for your Ranko and Johnson mm-hmm. controllers. So, yeah. Well, and if two. you set it to one and it's above and below. Yeah, then you end up getting you, too you, much you cycling. About, you get about two, two degrees, you know, uh, total range. Because the problem is, if the yeast feel like, okay, everything's cooling down, it's towards the end of fermentation, they start to drop out. Yeah. And you don't want to encourage early flocculation. Right. Uh, Premature yeast flocculation right. is a big issue. Especially with misuse of your Johnson. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, okay. Let's take uh, one more break. And when we come back... We'll wrap up with uh, two more questions, I think, right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high-temperature march pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The BrewEasy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. 
More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Oh. See, being sober and doing a three-show day is not that hard. No. I guess being sober is the hard part. But, uh, yeah. All right. Mm. <laughs> we should have ice cream next time. That would help. Right. Next question. Yeah. Ice cream. Yes. Okay. It's about a fermentation temperature sensor. Mm-hmm. I'm a relatively new home brewer catching up on old shows. On your February 20th, 2011 live Q&A show, you had a question about using a thermo well in the center of the fermenting beer to sense slash control fermentation temperature versus taping the temperature sensor to the outside of the fermenter and insulating it really well. Both Jamil and John gave their opinions. Then Jamil said, I was wondering what Blickman would do. I would love to hear what Bill Cohen would do. Did you ever ask him? And if not, would you? Well, uh, I did. Yes. Uh, I know there's always people that uh, like to stick their probe in the in the fermenter, and I've mm-hmm. always said, no, just tape it to the outside. And um, people have said, no, no, my God, and tried. people tried to prove that there was some huge differential between them. I'm like, it's liquid in contact with glass or plastic in contact with the sensor. Conduction. Convection. And convection. You're, it's, it's the temperature. Well, <clears throat> our good friend uh, John Plickman, I, uh, I asked, I forwarded him, him the email, and his response was, I have actually ran an experiment to test out the... See? This is why John Blickman yeah. is John Blickman. I ran an experiment to test out the situation a number of years ago to ensure that I had no instrument measurement error from normal instrument to instrument tolerance. I used the same probe and probe reading device both inside and outside of the conical. So he wasn't even using different equipment. It's exact same equipment on both both me- measurements. Right. Uh, what I was looking for was an accurate delta T, not necessarily an absolute accurate temperature. The sensor I use, so he's, he's looking for the difference between measuring inside and measuring outside. Um, 
so you can't say, well, the sensor may be off. It's like, well, he's same he's, sensor. He's proving the the difference between the two measurements. The sensor I used was an NTC thermosistor. These are commonly used in thermopens and refrigeration controllers in the zero to 250 range. Ideal for brewers. They are just as accurate as an RTD, but less fussy and fast reacting. What I was trying to determine was the temperature gradient across a small homebrew sized vessel during an active fermentation cycle. This was a question we off got often from our customers. In this case, it was a 14.5 gallon fermentator, ferment, ferment, or ferminator, ferminator conical. I taped the probe mid-height on the sidewall of the conical using aluminum duct tape. This aluminum tape is very thermally conductive and aids the sensor in achieving the same temperature as the side of the conical. The conical was in a temp-controlled refrigerator. I allowed the sidewall reading to stabilize and took a reading. I then placed the same probe sanitized inside of the conical through the airlock hole and immersed it to the same depth but in the middle of the wort. Again, I waited for the reading to stabilize. I took a reading. The readings were maybe one minute apart. I measured a half a degree Fahrenheit delta. So my my opinion was that in small vessels used in homebrewing, the cost and hassle of using a thermal well and having to clean it was not worth it. The simplicity of the old school tape is what I do at home. It works great, and there's nothing to sanitize or clean. There you go. That's pretty damn thorough. Right. Uh, 0.5. 0.5 Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. That's nothing. Yeah. Yes. In a a quarter of a degree C. In 14.5 gallon fermenter? Right. Yeah, that's as big as... Kind of any homebrewers really right. gonna go for anyway. There's really no no issue with that, and the the time you really want to control the the, the fermentation is active fermentation, right. where there should be if there's any fermentation going on, there are convections oh, being yeah. happening. There's CO2 being released. If you see bubbling come out of your airlock, the the liquid is being circulated and stirred in a continuous fashion and the temperature in the center is pretty much the temperature on the outside it's homogenous right and you know if you throw some insulation over that thing i think there's there's probably even less uh differential between them so you can just tape the (laughs) the sensor on the outside um uh blickman's suggesting use uh the metalized uh duct tape right and uh that could that could help uh transfer a little uh heat onto the or the temperature onto the Probe. sensor mm-hmm. and then you know slap a piece of bubble wrap or styrofoam block over the top of it i guarantee you you're reading the temperature of the beer and it's it's not an issue all right uh last question we'll call it a day this one's about the last third of fermentation. A number of times I've heard Jamil recommend increasing the temperature during fermentation in order to keep the yeast active, especially, quote-unquote, during the last third of fermentation. How do you determine when fermentation is two-thirds complete? I know there's a great deal of subjectivity involved, but I'm hoping for the best objective measurable guidelines you can offer. For example, if I'm fermenting a one point 080 wort that I expect to reach a final gravity of 1.014. Does the last third of fermentation start at around 1.036, which is 44 points into the expected total of 66? Right. So clearly the answer, how do you know a beer is two-thirds of the way through fermentation, is when there is one-third left. Then you are two-thirds of the way through fermentation. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, that's right. I think that's that's clearly the answer. (laughs) That was the answer. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, 
right. So I've said this multiple times, and really, um, yeah, you could measure the gravity, and you could do that. Generally, what I'm trying to the the behavior I'm trying to convey is, as you see fermentation. So fermentation, uh, you know, starts out a little slow, and then it takes off, and it's raging, and it's going and going and going, and it seems pretty consistently raging, and then you see it start to taper off. And it's starting to taper off around you know, the last third, right. when you say, John, yeah. uh, of fermentation. Uh, and at, it's at that point when it's it looks like it's starting to slow at all that mm-hmm. I like to take the cooling off and let it rise a little bit or, you know, just back off on the cooling, uh, you know, raise the temperature a degree or two on the controller mm-hmm. and let it keep going at a, an active pace. I don't want to force it to slow down, I want to let it keep going as long as possible. Right. And so that's that's the the point we're trying to get across is mm-hmm. you know, keep the the fermentation active as long as possible. Right. Don't uh, let you know. keep the yeast active, let them maturate the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the warmer it is, the more active they are, the better they'll do that. Yeah. And it, it could be a third, you know, it could be mm-hmm. two-thirds of the way through fermentation. It could be three-fourths of the way through fermentation. Mm-hmm. It could even be four-fifths. But right. the point is, towards the end, activity is slowing mm-hmm. down. Try to raise the temperature and keep right. those yeast active so they clean up the diacetyl and acetaldehyde. You don't have to nail it on, like, a exactly. hundredth of a, no. of a gravity no. point. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it's going to vary from yeast strain to yeast strain, recipe to recipe. Exactly. Uh, you know, but the point being, you know, try and keep the yeast active. Right. So maybe not a third, maybe... Maybe a half, maybe three quarters. When it starts falling, right. When when you see it start to slow down, ooh, you know, back off on the the cooling a little bit. You know, raise it a couple of degrees. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't completely take it off because, you know, it depends on the yeast and right. uh, some of them it can be you know get too active all of a sudden and then you're you've got other problems. But mm-hmm. you know, you just start backing it off, backing it off. I like to you know, take a degree or two off every day, and you know, because it's it's going to continue to slow. And you want it to, to rise up a little bit. So you're saying in this in this craft that is a lot of science that mm-hmm. there's an art to it in this point? Right. <laughs> it, it could probably be boiled down to exact science, and there, there could probably be a controller built that to do this automatically. And yes, John Blickman could build that all for us. Um, you know, if he listened to the show, he'd probably hear that idea, and he'd go for it and Make build it. Make something for it, yeah. But... On the on the downside, if he listens to the show, he'd probably cancel his sponsorship. So Shit, it's right. a two-edged sword. It's a two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. We'll have to mention it to him at some point uh, separately. Yeah. But uh, yeah, don't get don't get wrapped around two-thirds. Just understand that we're saying the concept. The concept exactly. Yes. Cool. It's an art as well as a science. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, and uh, if you enjoyed this show and you enjoy our. Our, our uh, sponsors, uh, I would suggest you reach out to them and, and tell them how wonderful they are. I know if you're listening live, uh, uh, Blickman Engineering has some Black Friday deals. Uh, you check out at BlickmanEngineering.com. Sweet. Uh, jump on there right now and uh, get yourself maybe some new sweet uh, Brew Easy system or 
uh, any uh, the cornicle or so many of the great things. Terminator. Yeah. Terminator. Yeah. Literally exactly. any kind of temperature controller. Any time. Temperature <laughs> controller. Exactly. For God's sakes, For please. For God's sakes, tem- don't don't be don't be a porno, Steve. Don't be. Get a porno, yourself Steve. a fermentation controller, and your your beer will improve off of that one thing. I guarantee it. Uh, if you uh, get a chance, also check out the HA offer. Uh, use that offer code BN2018 and uh, check out ylabs.com and all their great yeast at their yeast bank. Uh, good people, good stuff, and uh, helping support the show so you don't have to uh, do anything other than uh, say thanks to them. There you go. Check it out. And until then, Bruce Strong, everybody. Bruce Strong, everyone. It burns. Ha, 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 ha